Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Huh? Guess what? What? I got something for you. Is it a present? It's not a present, no. Is it candy? No, that would be a present, so no. Oh, well, what is it? It's a person! I got you a person. Aww. I got you a guest person. Uh, who? <laughs> I got you an Ian Lendler. Ooh. You don't have one of those already, do you? I don't think so. All right. Well, this is, uh, this is quite a delight then. Ian, welcome to the show! Thank you. This supply chain breakdown did not prevent me from coming here. Yay! Yes, huzzah! You aren't stuck on a container ship somewhere in the South Seas. <laughs> Hooray! It's, <happened> <laughs> it's has indeed. Well, yes. Let, let me let me explain who our special guest star this week is. Uh, everyone, this is Ian Lendler. He is the author of a great many good, wonderful books, including the truly excellent "The Fabled Life of Aesop." Uh, and one of my personal favorites, the Stratford Zoo series, which I handed Kate the uh, the Macbeth one, which y'all y'all should know if you've liked graphic novels and you like silly takes on Shakespeare, this is the book that you need to know about. And of course, uh, you have a new picture book out this year, I believe, Ian, called uh, Nia and the New Free Library. So congratulations on the publication of that book. No, this is super exciting. I mean, you know, when you write picture books for a living, going on a podcast about picture books is about as natural a fit as you can get. Well, exactly. And and so the difficulty for us in having a guest is we have gone through so many picture books at this point that we worry when we ask a guest to name a picture book that they're not going to be able to come up with one we haven't already done. But we posed the question to you. And lo and behold, you actually found a book we hadn't done before. Would you Would you like to tell the good people what the book was? It is Bill and Pete by Tommy De Paula. I think is that how I say his name? Tommy De Paula. Tommy. As I always say in these cases, sure. <laughs> <laughs> See, I should know that. So, <clears throat> one thing about him is he actually lived in the town that was right next to where I grew up. Really? Did he ever come to your yeah. school? He did not, but it was just this thing. It's like, ooh, just because the, these are like two tiny little towns in Connecticut that no one's ever heard of. But it was like, it was always a thing. Like, ooh, the next town over is this like famous children's picture book artist. Excellent. Now, Kate, do you, uh, does the name Tommy DePaula ring any bells for you? Do you? Uh... Uh, we did that Streganona one. And we did that, it. and we did one other at least. Do you remember the other one we did? Nope. We did Oliver Button is a Sissy. We did? Oh my god, I totally I forgot we, about that I one. I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. We'll have to check the tapes, but I'm 90% Clearly sure it, it made a lasting impression on me. Clearly and... it's been burned into your brain for all time. Well, so, Streganona uh, is definitely a classic. Well, Streganona, I mean, you can't you, you can't argue that. Though I, went, I read a wonderful, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, I read a wonderful thing recently where someone was really mad because people keep saying... Oh, you know, Streganona was a socialist. 
And the guy's like, <laughs> no, Stregonona was most certainly not. She held the means of production. She ha- she could have given everybody pasta at any moment, but it was Big Anthony. <laughs> he was the socialist. So Interesting. Interesting. I will, I will definitely put that in the show notes. But we're not doing Stregonona this time, even though she does have like umpteen bazillion sequels. Uh, we are we are doing Bill and Pete, and Kate, you have the book. Yeah, yeah. I I just ran into the other room to grab it, and I'm looking at some palm trees and pyramids. I think um, that's the one that we've gotten you the correct book. Hooray! Okay, all right, Kate, you I'm... go and you read that book. Okay. While Kate does her read, all right, Ian, let's talk about Tommy DePaulo. You already you already started in with a very interesting fact about the fact that so he was local to you when you were growing up. Yes, he lived in it was called Meriden, Connecticut, tiny town, um, and I lived in just the next town over, Wallingford. And wh- at what point were you aware that he was nearby? Uh, like in high school, like late high school, early college, because you know, like I didn't get bad. Like I wasn't into children's books when I was in high school and stuff. But it just kind of registered on my radar because he would show up at the local library and stuff like that. We had a really, oh, really? <laughs> good, well, well-run well library system. So they made sure that he got out there, you know. So how do you know this book, Bill and Pete? You know, because when I sort of started really getting into picture books, I just sat down and decided. I mean, obviously there was Stregonona, right? And I liked it so much. I started like slowly picking through everything. And then at one point... I just decided I was going to read every single thing that he wrote, he wrote because I liked his stuff. Um, And so that's how I came across it. And that was when I had little kids. And so I would selectively read some things to them. And like most kids, my kids are fairly discerning. Like they would let me know as soon as I read a book, whether they liked it or not, (laughs) you know, a lot of, a lot of books that are considered classics have ended up on the uh, trash pile at my house, but Bill and Pete, like my kids just loved it. And so I was like, something clicks here, you know? It's kind of hard to tell sometimes with picture books what makes them click, but this one did. Yeah, I, I, I was a big shock to me when I had kids and I realized they weren't little empty vessels that I could just pour all the classic books into and they'd love them all equally. I was like, oh, darn it, you have opinions. Who gave you those? That, <laughs> exactly. that was not part of the plan. I so. keep done, but this one won an award. There's, exactly. no award. There's a shiny <laughs> they, sticker. They, yeah, they just didn't care if it won an award or not. All they wanted was for it to be good. My kids have kind of aged out, but like, it's funny because they're still very much into graphic novels, like all kids these days. Oh and yeah. So they'll they'll they will dip back into picture books once in a while because it's like you know it's like a short little snack of a graphic novel, you know. But yeah, I think you're right. I think because it's such a visual medium that kids today do. They're not as embarrassed. If you've got picture books lying around, they're not as embarrassed just to pick it up and go through it because it's not a huge amount of difference between a comic and a picture book, which adults would be like, that's why they're bad. Comics are terrible for children. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a visual medium. We live in an internet age, which is a visual age. So it's not a problem. Yeah, I mean, that argument's pretty much just lost already, isn't it? I mean, the popularity of graphic novels. I mean, yeah. like, I can tell you very much from the market side of trying to sell, it's just like all people want to, gra- all publishers want are graphic novels right now. Yeah, I would agree on the graphic novels, though I would say I've known librarians in certain libraries where, you know, a bunch of kindergartners would come in, they could pick out books, and there was one girl and she picked out 
a picture book. And then the next day her father came in and sensed and he was like, she can read Charlotte's web. She shouldn't be reading picture books. <laughs> like, never mind that the text in a picture book is more complex than the text in Charlotte's web or something. You know, it's often very complicated text, but, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. So that's my young that daughter book. wants a pig to die. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. you really, does anyone die in this picture book? No. Then how can you call it literature? <laughs> I demand at least one main character be dead by the end. <laughs> and we're back. Kate, you read a book. I did. Uh, it's Bill and Pete's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Do they time travel? It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah. All right, all right. You gotta, you gotta walk me Sounds through. Sounds skeptical. I am skeptical. It's her, it's her metier. So I, I am skeptical. So we meet this um, mother and her son, Crocodile. Sure. Um, the son's name is William Everett Crocodile. I love uh, it. And apparently, one day she's like, "Oh, you have all of your teeth now. We should get you a toothbrush." And I'm thinking, okay, did she just wait like until all of his teeth came in? Did she wait until tooth number six, like 66th came in? Because did you know that crocodiles' teeth vary in number depending on the crocodile? Really? They don't they all have the same number of teeth? They can have in between 60 and 110 teeth. Really? So, They're like sharks. If that's not terrifying to you, <laughs> just imagine <laughs> having to brush them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there might have been a reason she waited as long as she did. Yeah. I mean, I would have expected when the first tooth came in, she might want to have it brushed, but no. That's I guess just... she figured, you know what? A lot more are coming. Yeah. Let's, let's Why just... waste my time on one? Yeah. Let's just wait. So they, they end up going to uh, Mr. Hippo's store, which is like a general store where they have um, different kinds of toothbrushes, like human toothbrushes baboon toothbrushes and then they have the finest crocodile toothbrushes which are birds they he, yeah he, that's they just have, it's just birds yeah. so he goes up to these it. birds and he's like hi what's your name cool let's be friends and also you're gonna clean my teeth i believe the the types of bird are plovers sure here yeah. ends the only fact I actually know about any of this. So I was about to say between the teeth and the plovers, I didn't know we. I would have brought my own crocodile trivia if I'd known that we were doing that. <laughs> See, we <laughs> caught you completely unawares. We're like, come on, Ian, with your croc info. <laughs> oh, I Google. I'm I'm a quick Googler, so don't worry. <laughs> um, right. So they they pick out a bird and they're like, cool, let's go home. And so Pete is the name of the bird. And he goes home with William Everett, and now they are um, best friends slash uh, he's also an appliance. So the next morning... <laughs> the, like, the next... you're not best friends with your toothbrush. Admit it. I think this is a forerunner. Like, everyone has become best friends with their phone, right? <laughs> so a yep. tale oh, of friendship true. with your appliances. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so the next morning he wakes up and his mom's like, hey, you're get ready. You're going to go to school. And someday I will be proud of you. I was Wait, like, what? <laughs> ouch, that's Bird, so huh? mean. 
Because he's like, I can't wait to like read and write and learn all about crocodile history. And she's like, mm, maybe I'll be proud of you. Maybe. <laughs> he, he, he takes his toothbrush slash bird friend to school, which now he's that guy. He's that guy in school who takes his toothbrush with, with him. No one else does. Oh, wait. wait no, no, they do. Sorry. No, no they, do. they do. Others, plenty of others do. Yes. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're a lighter pink uh, shade of bird, while his is like a bright, like, hot pink bird. So that's how you can tell them apart. Straight. <laughs> so, so you own that pink bird. He takes uh, the bird with him. He learns the alphabet. He comes home, and his mom's like, what'd you learn in school? And Pete, the toothbrush bird, chimes in, and he's like, hey, William, say the alphabet. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, William knew the alphabet. Um, and then his mom was like, oh, that's beautiful. And then later, William was like, dude, why'd you have to call me out like that? And the bird's like, well, you should know it. Oh, wait, no, that's not in the book. Just kidding. Um, so but that's why I love there's a really weird dynamic going on in their relationship. Like, it kind of seems like the toothbrush is a little bit smarter than William Everett. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I think you have to be. If, if there's a possibility at all that your employer is going to eat you, you've got to be smarter. You've got to be on your toes, right? Yep. Okay, fair enough. So the next day, uh, not so they, they learned how to like say the alphabet. Well, now they're going to learn to write the alphabet. So they all learn to write the alphabet. Again, William Everett comes home, and his mom's like, oh, so what would you learn today? And then Pete, the toothbrush bird, says, William Everett write the letters and so <laughs> i feel like your tone of voice is changing the tenor of the book a little bit well he's really got these brass knuckles i mean i didn't draw so, <laughs> so right so he he could be william everett write the letters he could be enthusiastic that's you true. know that does change it completely actually Excited, <laughs> right right i like my oh, version better pennywise or something right, yeah. Yeah. My version is he's in the mob, okay? So, write the letters. See, got some nice teeth there. It'd be a shame if something should happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so luckily, William Everett, uh, he learned, he did know every letter, and he it says uh, he wrote them down without one mistake. And his mom says, "Oh, you're so smart. Someday you will be famous." Wait. And then will you love me? Because we've done, we've seen two someday's now. They seem yeah. related. So someday you'll make me proud, and someday you'll be famous. And <laughs> yep, okay. See, I like this mom. She's not overpromising. You know what that's I mean? She's like, yeah, she does me. not. That's a good point. She this is old school parenting. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next day, uh, you know, he goes back to class, and and the teacher says, "Class." We're now going to learn how to write our names. And everyone in the class, they just write their first name. Like there's Sam and Jane and Amy and Tom. And there's even a Kate, which I appreciate. Um, (laughs) But William Everett is writing his first and his middle name. Nobody. Okay. Nobody told him he shouldn't. That's that's on them. True. They did say name. He's going to go and take a logical leap and say, oh, they want my whole name. Makes well, sense. he's trying to write his first and 
middle name, except he keeps on like forgetting at least one letter and he's having a really hard time, which that's fair. I mean, I was trying to spell like Catherine in the first grade. And oh yeah, Elizabeth. No one yeah. spells Catherine right. I wasn't spelling Catherine right, so I, I, I'm with him. I understand. Uh, it's hard. I get it. So he can't write his first or middle name. So <laughs> Pete, the toothbrush, steps in, and he's like, "I think I can help you." And he takes the pencil and writes something down. You flip the page. William is back at home with his mom. And his mom asked, did you learn something today? And he said, yes, I learned how to write my name. And on a piece of paper, it's what Pete wrote, not what 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 William wrote, which is the word Bill. So I never thought about that. Oh, okay. So we've got like a slightly Cyrano de Bergerac element going here. A little bit. But I the like the that. key is is that if it's if it's really hard to learn something, just find a shortcut and have someone else do it for you. The well, end. <laughs> I don't think that's completely wrong. I mean, my son has four letters in his first name, and learning to write that took a bit anyway. So I think Bill was the right way to go on that one. I think I think uh, definitely it was the smart. I think it was a smart choice on on Pete's part. Well, yeah, Pete just stepped in, and he's like, "You're now called Bill." there is that there is that now he has a new name yeah (laughs) (laughs) so one day it's uh it's not a school day there's uh this man on a bike and he's got a whole bunch of gators in cages behind him well this took a dark turn it it took a very random turn uh but see can i tell you something but but this is why i love this book so like how many books do this we just got an origin story of Bill and Pete, because yeah. before it was William Everett and Pete, and what the hell's that? That's not a good title for a book. But it became Bill and Pete, and then like uh, like some sort of David Lynch like dream sequence, we just <laughs> leap to another story, another environment. It's fantastic. Like most books, is just the origin story, but this is the origin story. Now there's an entire yeah. new adventure with these friends, you know? You had me at David Lynch fantasy. That is fantastic. I love that. We're definitely <laughs> now in like chapter two. Chapter yeah, two yeah. called The Bad Guy. So, well, okay. So there's this bad guy. He's got gators in cages. And Bill's like, what is that? Well, there's this old crocodile <laughs> who's like in the Nile. And he's got a really, really old bird on top of him that's his toothbrush. And I can appreciate it because they both are so wrinkly and so old. And I like that you don't just get a new toothbrush when you get older. You use the same toothbrush forever. Because <laughs> they're speaks your well. I know that crocodiles can live a long time. This speaks very well to the Plover's lifespan. Well done to you, tiny bird. Well, the the old crocodile explains, well, this guy is a bad guy, and he captures crocodiles to make them into suitcases. Whoa, that's, that's very bad. dark. Yeah, that's bad. sad. This is and like downright William Steig at this point. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's great, isn't it? It is. I like it. On the next page, Pete gets caught by the what? bad guy because he wasn't paying attention. And you so know on the how... next page, is he a suitcase? No. Or a pair no. of shoes? It's uh, it's the bad guy, but you know that he's a bad guy because of how big his teeth are by the kinds of shoes he's wearing. He's got sunglasses and a mustache. I should so. say at this point, this book was made in 1978. So this should be some primo 78 
styling. So he catches Bill, but luckily Pete is there and he tries to peck at the bad guy, but Pete's too small. So he just like flies with Bill until the bad guy gets to his like McMansion where he's <laughs> greeted by his butler named Jeeves. And I'm Jeez. like, okay, when did Jeeves become the universal butler name? Oh, uh, that's easy. Uh, it's when P.G. Woodhouse created the Birdie and Jeeves series. Yes. That was, that was very easy. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I right. actually had the answer to that one. Woo-hoo. <laughs> well, um, he the, the bad guy's like, look, Jeeves, I want to take a bath. And then tomorrow that crocodile is going to become a suitcase. Well, luckily, as soon as the bad guy goes inside, uh, Pete's like, I'm not just a toothbrush. I can pick a lock. So he, <laughs> he uses his beak to uh, open the lock. And he's like, cool, kid, let's get out of here. And Bill's like, no, I'm mad. I'm going to make sure no more suitcases can be made. Ooh. So he parkours up the wall with his little itty bitty <laughs> legs and makes it into this guy's house. And he's creeping through the house where the bad guy just happens to have a mummy sarcophagus just chilling outside the bathroom door. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> Can I just say, this is one of my favorite bits in the book. Because if you look, he's on his tippy toes. You know, like the soundtrack goes. He is on his tippy you know? toes. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of the soundtrack. I'm going like. Bitty, 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 bitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I guess I we didn't really mention before, but I guess this does take place in Egypt because there's the Nile, there are the pyramids, there's a. Well, and the sequel is called Bill and Pete Go Down the Nile. So. Okay, so right, so he's creeping past the sarcophagus into the bathroom where he sees Jeeves. Um, he said, Where Jeeves is like, Your bath is ready. And um, Bill jumps into the tub with his mouth open. And this is where you can see the whites in Bill's eyes. Whoa. It, it's very creepy. And then it says, um, <laughs> The text says, And there was Bill right with the rubber ducky and the bad guy already has a foot in and then you flip the page and bill eats the bad guy and that's the end of the story the end right oh oh no no just kidding oh you made my hopes up instead there's a butt so you get to see bad guy butt um it's very it's a very juicy butt uh and and uh, and he and the juicy butt uh, flies away because he's scared. And uh, Pete and Bill take the bad guy's dinner, eat it, go home to Mama, and uh, they're like, "Mama, you don't have to cook his dinner tonight because we already ate." And they tell her what happens, and then she says, "Oh, what an adventure! I am so proud of the two of you." <laughs> the end. Oh. So, so the moral is um, have a friend and then your mom can be proud of you. <laughs> I'm sensing you don't like the mom's parenting style. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the bird is being a better parent than the mom, really. <laughs> By the way, can I just say what a baller move it is? That like you scare the bad guy off and then you just sit down and eat his food. And you eat his food. <laughs> That, that is. It's kind of a mic drop moment. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, you know what that means then? It's 
Ratings time. Boop, 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 boop. Guests first. Ian, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the most classic of a classicy classic, and mm. one being the least classic of a classic classic, where would you where would you place Bill and Pete? I'm gonna go. And look, every picture book is personal because it's you and your child reading it, right? Sure. So I'm gonna give it an eight. And if I'm gonna give it an eight as a book, and I'm gonna give it an eight and a half as a like, you know, something I read in my family and lived with for a while. Betsy. All right. So I'm loving how this is not your normal Tommy DePaulo book. Um, this this honestly, when I'm hearing this description, I'm picturing not Tommy DePaulo's art. I'm picturing the art of William Steig, you know, the guy who did Doctor DeSoto. Maybe that's just because we're talking about dentists already. So I kind of I kind of got like the dentist thing in mind, but, but this nice. is a very Steig-esque plot to a certain extent. I love the David Lynchian twist uh, that crops up. I think it's very interesting. And of course, you know, you can't go wrong with Tommy DePaulo's art. He's just fun to look at. He always has been. Um, not knowing much about the book beyond what we've just heard, I'll give it a nice solid six. Kate? Okay, so I said that this I don't think is as memorable as Stregonona, but it was cute. I I like uh, having a friend can make your life better. I like that the mom is super hard to impress. Yeah, um, I do like that. <laughs> right? I like that a lot, yeah. And I like the bad guy butt because it was nice and juicy. I also yeah. gave it a six. Um, I think it's a fun story, but it wasn't as memorable for me. So, like, if you That's ask right. me in a year what this book is about um i might remember bad guy butt and i might remember uh that if you just uh cheat and do shortcuts that that makes your life easier um but i don't know if you if i could tell you like the title of this book if that makes sense that makes sense and that's fair and i'm not asking you to remember it just doesn't have a classic feel to it i think we're all saying yes it's a classic now we have letters time. There's really only one. I'm sorry, I didn't do my song, did I? This one comes from fellow author Josh Funk. And this is short. Yes, he's a fan of the show as well. And he writes, hey, Fuse8, which is my Twitter handle. Can you ask Kate of Fuse8 and Kate? If she can blurb my next book. And then he quotes you saying, it can't hurt you. Cat, Kate, Etienza. Uh, hey, Kate, you want to blurb a guy's book? What does that mean? A blurb is a quote that's put on a book to sell it to other people. So, Oh, sure. All right. Grown up things we like. Ian, as our as our guest, uh, why don't we begin with you? Is there is there something um, that does not pertain to children's literature? Uh, that you have experienced or enjoyed recently? I am currently fairly obsessed with the HBO documentary, The 100-Foot Wave. Have Ooh. either of you seen that? No. no. Um, What's well, the story of Garrett McNamara, who, if you are into surfing at all, he was one of the big wave writers. And he was the guy who found... Um, nowadays, when you see pictures of people riding massive, absolutely unbelievable waves, like Guinness Book World Record waves... They're all in Portugal in this small town called Nazare. And he was the guy who found it. And it's six parts. And it doesn't sound like, okay, so he goes to Nazare and he finds the wave. 
it doesn't sound like it'd be that exciting, but it's amazing. For one, because there's all these great footage of humongous waves being ridden by essentially insane people. But yes. it becomes something much, much, much deeper and more beautiful by the end of the documentary because it, the documentary takes place over years. And so it's almost this parable of man because you see him get injured and grow old and slowly become unable to ride the bigger waves and the young folk come in and the commercialization comes in and it's just it's it's a beautiful documentary it's great that sounds great i I had not heard it can you say the name one more time the 100 foot wave excellent on hbo thank you ian all right kate what about you i've been re-watching stranger things um It's it's been a while since uh, I watched it, you know, when it first came out, and uh, I believe season four is coming out in 2022. So, uh, yeah, just the Penguinologist and I have been rewatching Stranger Things on Netflix. If anyone has been living in a cave uh, for the past four years and you don't know what it's about, um, it's about a small town in Indiana where they discover these uh, secrets of a government lab where there's a portal to another world and there's monsters. Um, If you like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, there's a good uh, chunk of that uh, in the show. It's got Winona Ryder. Uh, It's got an amazing cast. I mean, these kids, they start off when they're 11 and they just grow up through the series and they're all incredible actors um, highly recommend it. It's obviously gotten lots of Emmys. It's it's if you don't like children in peril, though, uh, this might not be the series for you. <laughs> um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So yeah, I'm just rewatching Stranger Things. Woohoo! That is excellent. I love Stranger Things. Um, and my final thing is uh, it's just it's it's sort of very personal to me, but it amused me. Um, I got my bike stolen out of my shed in my backyard the other day. Um, we forgot to lock the side gate. Um, when I woke up in the morning, both the side gate and the back gate were like wide open and that's unusual. And out of curiosity, I went to the shed, which we never lock. And lo and behold, all the bikes were there except for mine. And you have to understand my bike is big. It's pink. It's kind of hideous. I love it, but nobody would buy that thing. I was like, really guys, really? I thought it was safe for this reason. Then we get a knock on the door and it's a guy my, my husband knows. And he says, I trailed the guy who stole your bike. Let's go get your bike back. And so they like, doom, 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 doom. They like go to where the bike is. And the bike was left behind, like in an alley behind someone's house. They get the bike. They put it back into my car. They drive it home. I now have my bike back because my husband stole it back for me. So that's my nice. kind of thing I like. Stealing back the bike that got stolen. All right. Well, Ian, it was just a delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. And and thanks so much for suggesting Bill and Pete, which I don't know that I would have ever gotten to had you not brought it up. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. If you want to uh, tell me more books that have like juicy butts in them. Yeah. Please (laughs) feel free to share. Every kid likes a good juicy button there, and <laughs> it breaks the right. it breaks the ice, you know. That's the pull quote. We found the pull quote for the show. Excellent, <laughs> wonderful. Our job here is done. All right, and until next time, we have another big juicy butt on the show. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse Eight and Kate is a Fuse Number Eight production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. 
Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our big juicy butt is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Berg.